All right. Well, hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome everyone, just like last week, if you're watching online or if you're watching online or if you're watching online, we'd like to welcome you. We're very happy that you're here. Now, I'm just going to sit down and we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about my two favorite subjects today. I'm going to tell you a little story about America, and then we're going to talk about Jesus. If you were to come into my office, you'd see lots of books. All I ever wanted to do was teach American history. Well, God had a different plan for the history that I'd be teaching, and that's very cool. Um, but I still have a great love for it. And so if you go to my office, you'll see lots of books about Jesus and the Bible and defense of the Bible. And um, then you'll see a whole lot of baseball books, and then you'll see a lot of American history. I'm going to tell you something about this country. During a time like this, we need to go back and reflect on what it was like Washington and his military crossing the Delaware, what it was like during the Civil War. My grandfather's generation through World War I, my father-in-law, Guadalcanal in World War II. We are a unique breed of people, and I don't want you to ever forget that. So I want to just tell you one quick story that you may not know the details of. It was when Francis Scott Key wrote what we now call the National Anthem. He was sitting in Baltimore Harbor because he'd been arrested. He's on a British ship. And because he was an officer, he's above deck. And all the rest of the guys that have been arrested are below decks. And the British had told Fort McHenry there at Baltimore, we'll stop shelling you if you'll just take that flag down. The minute the flag comes down off the flagpole, off the ramparts, hence the song, if you'll lower the flag, we'll stop shelling you. So all night long, they kept calling up to Francis Scott Key because they're all down below deck, and they would say, is the flag still there? And he would tell them, yes, the flag is still standing, and they would cheer. And then... In the, by the morning's light, as again, as the song goes, they're sitting there in the harbor, and they said, can you see if the flag is still there? And Francis Scott Key looked across the bay, and the flag was still there. What you don't know about the story is this. Throughout the night, the British had bombarded everything there at Fort McHenry. They destroyed everything. And the British knew they had destroyed everything. They knew that they would made direct hits on the flag. They could not figure out how the flag was still standing. And the next morning, around the flagpole, were all kinds of Americans who had given their lives. When the pole would be hit and blown down, they would grab the pole and hold it back up. And that morning, when they went to the flagpole, it was littered with American bodies around that flagpole, holding it up, and they all gave their lives. That's the kind of stock we come from, my friends. We are not, we are not the average place in the world. We are people with deep faith, deep convictions, and we can make it through anything. We have and we will again. All right, there's your history lesson. All right. Now... We're going to talk about let's. Let's play some dodgeball today. In Luke chapter 4, it's the story of when Jesus was tempted by Satan. And we're going to take a look at that 
whole section, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. But when I was a kid, we used to play a game called dodgeball. And back then, nobody died, nobody got sued because they got hit. It was just part of it. It was sort of survival of the fittest. But sometimes, if you were the strongest, everybody would come after you. It was just part of the game, right? And the goal is, of course, to knock the other guy out before he gets you knocked out. But while you're throwing, you may get hit by three other balls. Hmm. I kind of feel like that's what Satan is up to. He never lets up. And even right now, what am I having to, to battle in boredom? The temptations that you might get yourself in trouble with because you're not focused on your relationship with God. Instead of using this time to really draw near to God, you're u- using letting boredom get you into other problems and other temptations. And the people that won at dodgeball, let me tell you who they were. <clears throat> they weren't always the biggest, the toughest, the strongest. But they were the ones that would hold on to a ball the tightest. And they would use that ball to block everything that came at them. They would deflect it. They would defend it. And they, would, they weren't aggressive. They would just hang on and knock down everything until the attrition had taken place. Then they would go on the attack. Listen, Jesus is facing the greatest temptations ever. Hebrews said that he faced everything that we would ever face. He overcame it so that we would know that we could beat temptation as well. So I don't know what it is. You're tempted with me. Are you tempted to be fearful? Are you tempted sexually? Are you tempted to hoard? Or you? I don't know. Temptation maybe is taking on a whole new theme for you right now. But the story goes like this. Jesus has just been baptized, and he is loaded with God's spirit. He's loaded with God's word. He is loaded with a passion to obey the calling that he has. And Satan's going to throw everything at him. And Jesus is deflecting and, and he, because he is prepared for this moment. Let's read the scripture. Then I'm going to tell you about three mountains, and we'll, we'll apply this. So Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Do not miss this. The word full, complete, and the Holy Spirit, the set apart, the the wind of God, the power of God, the breath of God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, Satan, the tempter. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry, needless to say. And then Satan said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and all their splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you'll bow down and worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
When the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Interesting. So we're all dealing with some of these temptations. And here's the deal. You can kind of go through life and say, you know what, I just need a little bit of Jesus. But in times like this, you find out, no, what I need is to be filled up. I need to be filled up with Jesus. I need to be filled up with hope. I need to be filled up with the Word of God because a little bit of Jesus is not going to be enough. Now listen, when I was a kid, we'd go out on Halloween and we got candy bars, right? Snickers, Butterfingers, Hershey's, and they were candy bars. You know what I'm saying? Candy bars. Now we have fun size. Nothing fun about that. Are you kidding me? Snickers... Just recently, I think it was for their 100th anniversary, just came out with this Snickers bar, 4,700 pounds. Now that, my friends, is fun size. That is a fun size Snicker bar. You see, when I go and they say, hey, would, would you like a small coffee? No, I would not. Fill it up. Would you like to have a small sandwich? No, I would not. I would like to have a large sandwich. Nobody thinks about how little can I have when we're ordering something we, we wanted. Would you like a real tiny piece of pie? No, I would not. But when it comes to Jesus, Christianity, our faith, our commitment, it's like that, that's enough. You know, I remember as a kid, Dad loved Studebakers. And uh, we would roll up to the gas station. Back when they had Ethel at the gas station, right? And the dad would roll his window down and he'd say, fill her up with regular gas. Because we couldn't afford Ethel, of course. Um, but then if we didn't have much money, sometimes he'd be like, mm, just give me $5 worth. And I think sometimes we've settled for $5 worth of God. Instead of saying, no, I need to be filled up. And listen, when I was in college and you've been there, there were times when we scraped change together and was like, okay, we'll put a buck 25 in the tank. And I'm afraid a lot of Americans in their faith, that's what they've settled for is I'll just have, just give me a couple of bucks worth of God. And Jesus said, no, I need to be filled up because when the battle is raging and it's hottest, I don't need $2 worth of God. I need Philip. So it says that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's on a mountain. It's called the Mountain of Temptation. Here's a picture of the mountain. It's, uh, it's just west of the Jordan River. It's, it's, uh, it, sits, it sits just outside of Jerusalem, but it sits there overlooking Jericho. And there's the mountain. Here's the actual cave that we think Jesus was in when Satan confronted him, when this actual event took place. And he's in the cave. Jesus has been praying and fasting for 40 days about fulfilling the mission that God has given to him. He's full of the Spirit. He needs all of that. And Satan comes to him and says, turn these stones into bread. Perhaps in today's culture, it would be turn these stones into toilet paper. I, I don't know. Whatever, whatever the temptation looks like, right? So Jesus quotes Scripture back to him. He quotes from Deuteronomy. All three times, Jesus quotes directly from the law of God. He doesn't answer in, well, they are his words, but he answers directly with biblical words. 
and he confronts Satan. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I don't know what you're dealing with. It, maybe during this time you're tempted to do alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever. You're alone. It's boring. What, and you're tempted more than usual. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken us except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He's faithful. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say you won't be tempted. He didn't say you won't face hardships, struggles, trials. He just said when you are, if you're filled up, if you're filled up with God's Spirit, well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've not accepted Jesus, this would be a really good time. All these stories I've told you all these years about one day heaven's going to come knocking, eternity's going to come knocking. Well, it's coming for a lot of people that didn't know it was time because we don't know what's on our schedule. We don't know when our day's on God's schedule. Galatians chapter 5 says that what looks like when you have the Spirit of God living in you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's just some of the attributes of it. But Jesus was filled up, and because he was filled up, he was able to deflect when Satan went to nail him. He had held on tightly, and he deflected what Satan sent at him. But he was also not just full of the Holy Spirit. We also find, as you go on, that Jesus was full of worship. Now, this is very interesting. I don't have a picture of this mountain, so you're just going to have to trust me here. Or you can look it up. What else are you doing? Look it up. you got plenty of time. All right. He goes from the mountain there outside of Jericho, and he takes him to another high mountain. And the scholars say that this mountain was in Saudi Arabia, that he takes him to Mount Sinai. Now, why is it important? Pay attention. On that mountain, I think, is where Adam and Eve were tempted. It's where the tree of life was. It's where Adam and Eve hid from God. It's also where the burning bush was, the bush that burned and didn't burn up. That's where Moses spends time with God and had to decide, am I going to follow God or not? And he gets the Ten Commandments. It's where Elijah goes, and Elijah hides in a cave, and God speaks to him in a still small voice. And now Satan takes Jesus back to that same mountain where Adam has been, where Moses has been, where Elijah's been. And he says, Here's all the kingdom, and he unfolds this picture of the whole world. New York City, Baghdad, Rio, it's all there. And Satan says, it can all be yours if you'll worship. What's he do? He quotes scripture. Guys, listen. John Piper says this very well about worship. He says, every human being was made to worship. And we do. We worship. Whether you worship money, whether you worship sex, whether you worship food, whether you worship an idol, everybody, even if you worship nothing, you're worshiping. You're worshiping the atmosphere. You're worshiping the stars. But everybody was made to worship. And he said the purpose of the church, while we're all about missions and ministry and helping people find Jesus, the ultimate reason we're helping people find Jesus is so they'll know who to worship. What are we trying to do? We're trying to populate heaven. We're trying to bring people in to know Jesus so that they get to worship with us. And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy and he says, now 
you shall not worship anyone other than the Lord your God. Now listen, our Chinese friends are taking a beating right now, but let me tell you something about the Chinese Christians. They are some of the most amazing people on the planet. They have been persecuted for over a hundred years, and the church is faithful, and the church continues to grow, and the church continues to lead people to Jesus. And check this out. Even though they're one of the smallest minorities in all of China, there are more Christians in China than there are people in the nation of Italy. That's how many Christians there are. They're under persecution. They're being arrested. Their churches are being destroyed. Here's a picture of Christians in the last couple of weeks church building totally destroyed didn't stop them they're together they worship there they are on their knees on their faces reading scripture crying out to god committed to god regardless jesus said you shall not worship anyone but me and then satan's got one more trick up his sleeve he moves him to a third mountain this time to the mountain in jerusalem it's the very mountain where Abraham sacrificed his son, or was about to sacrifice his son Isaac in Genesis 22. And God said, no, I will provide a ram for you. And in the story, a lamb, is, or a, a lamb will be provided. In the story, a ram is provided. Jesus would ultimately be the lamb. And Jesus would die on that same mountain in that same spot 2,000 years later. But on that particular mountain is where the temple is. And Satan takes Jesus up onto that temple and says, if you really are the Son of God, he knows full well who Jesus is. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. Now, what's interesting is what Satan's trying to do here. Satan is quoting from Psalm 91. And he's trying to catch Jesus in his own words. And Jesus, again... Because he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's full of worship, and he's full of the Word. He's able to defend. And he said, no, never put the Lord your God to the test. You don't do anything because of that. You trust God, but you don't do anything that you should not do just to try to test God. So he comes right back at him. In Acts 16, I find it fascinating that when Paul and Silas were in jail, they've been beaten. They've thrown, been thrown into this prison. And at midnight, they wake up all the other prisoners. How? <laughs> They're worshiping. They're singing praises to God. They're quoting Scripture. They're singing Scripture. And before that story's over, God opens up the whole jail and sets everybody free. It's an incredible miracle story. But listen to the principle here. You've got to be filled. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be filled with worship. You've got to be filled with the Word. And we don't worship when everything is good. We don't worship because God's got everything right here in front of us where we can see it. No, we worship. And through our worship, we watch God actually work. And so in the weeks ahead, that's why we want you to participate. I, I know it's awkward. I know it's weird. Sing at home. Sing as you're listening to this 
the, the service or somebody else's service. Participate in the Lord's Supper. Participate in following along with Scripture. Because it's when you're filled up, that's when you're able to deflect what Satan's throwing at you. Whether it's fear, whether it's temptation, whatever is coming at you, you'll be able to handle that. Interesting story I read this week about a guy that was talking about how to endure. And he said, everything I learned about mental toughness, I learned from nuts. And I thought, well, that's you know pretty good advice anyway. But he went in to talk about all of the, the nuts, you know, cashews and peanuts. And, you know, you take a peanut, just pop it open. It's not hard to open. It doesn't have a lot of resilience. But the macadamia nut, ah, there's a nut for you, all right? The shell of a macadamia nut is made of the same material that aluminum is made of. It is the hardest nut to get open. Now, once you get inside, soft, wonderful, delicious fruit. But the shell is tough. And guys, right now, that's what we got to do. We got to realize that we've got to be tough on the outside, but stay gentle and gracious and helpful and servant-hearted on the inside. Let me finish with this story. You may or may not know, but in the history of Ireland, Ireland is the only place in the world that does not have snakes. In itself, that is a real motivator for me, all right, because I hate snakes. So I moved to the only state that has more snakes than Missouri, and that's Florida. We've got the rattlesnake, the copperhead. We've got, we've got all the water moccasins. We've got all those things in Missouri. I come down here and add a coral snake. It's a bonus, right? Um, but Ireland has no snakes. Is that not crazy? But just recently, a guy was bitten. If you, listen, let me give you a warning. If you don't want to see a picture of a snake, turn away now. Just listen. A guy was bitten by a, a puff adder. Here's what a puff adder looks like. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. What's a puff adder doing in Ireland? All right. You know the answer, right? It was a pet. A guy decided to bring a puff adder into his house. And when he did, he was surprised that he got bitten. Listen, during this time, it's easy to be tempted. It's going to be easy to fall into a trap with any kind of substance. It's going to be easy to fall into a trap sexually. It's going to be easy to fall into any number of traps. Let me encourage you to say to God, you know what? Fill it up. This is the time I want to be filled up with everything you have. Listen, tomorrow, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, if you want to accept Jesus, if you've never accepted Jesus, you want to be baptized, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be baptizing another gentleman. And so you come Sunday morning, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. All right, I forgot we're, we're, uh, we're all over the place here. You come Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and we will have baptisms right here. If you're watching this after that, you email the office. We do baptisms 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You need to accept Jesus. We're ready for you to do that. Let's pray together. Father, I grab a hold of the bowl right now. It seems like Satan's throwing a whole lot at us at once. But my God is still far, far superior. And no temptation has overtaken me except which is common to man. And when I am tempted, God will provide a way out. 
So, Lord, I pray for strength. I pray for courage like that macadamia nut. But as we're working with our neighbors and our friends and our community, we'll be soft fruit ministering to others. In Jesus' name, amen.